Hello and welcome to the Carnage Report, where we bring you the latest on all things horror-related, keeping you up to date with news you can use. I'm Nick Spacek. And I'm Julie Holland. The Carnage Report is part of the Cinepunks podcast family. To Go to Cinepunks.com to find entertainment news, reviews, and other great podcasts like Horror Business, Twitch of the Death Nerve, and Tomb of Ideas. If you want to help support Cinepunks and ultimately this show, you can become a Cinepunks Patreon subscriber at patreon.com slash Cinepunks. That is C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X. Also, please go check out our great sponsors like Essex Coffee Roasters at EssexCoffeeRoasters.com. They offer specialty-grade coffee roasted to order for the most fresh and delicious home brewing experience. They're committed to accessible quality coffees, offering education on coffee and brewing to all of their customers. You don't have to be a coffee expert to enjoy a great cup of coffee. And if you use Cinep- code CINEPUNKS right now in the little promo spot, you'll get 10% off, which is nothing to sneeze at. Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations is the premier screen printer of the Lehigh Valley, but maybe also the world. They are personable. They are professional. And they are the only place where you get punk rock attitude with professional service and printing. You can find them online at xlvacx.com. Rob is actually in the Lehigh Valley yesterday, he was. <laughs> and before he went, he was like, what's that website again? I should check them out. And I was like, I don't know if you can like go there. I think it's just more of a order from there. But I, but check it out. Sure. I don't know. <laughs> go say hi to Chris Reject for us. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Time for our getting to know you question. Don't be disappointed. It is not really horror related at all because it is Christmas time and it is time for Christmas questions. And I also snuck in three questions in one. So I'm going to ask them all at once and you can answer as many or as few as you want. One is, are your Christmas decorations up yet? What is your favorite? What is your decoration vibe or your favorite piece? And do you have any horror holiday decos? Our holiday, our Christmas decorations are not up yet we were gonna put them up last sunday but like tawny was recovering from like driving back after having been in illinois for like half the week visiting family and so like we never got around to it and i think we might do it today it just kind of all depends um our vibe is kind of like it's very classic christmas i guess like because we have a lot of stuff that we inherited from like my aunt and my grandma and things like that uh we our tree is fake we used to do a real tree and the fake tree and then the old fake tree died and then we bought a new one because um real trees like getting a good real tree is sometimes more trouble than it's worth um Mm -hmm. and we basically for several years running forgot to reserve one of the awesome michigan furs that cotton's hardware gets every year so yeah but it's very like classic and stuff like that uh we have uh like uh like a little set of like peanuts that are hallmark ornaments that like form a little uh like vignette of them standing around the little tiny ugly tree we've got like these like world santas that are ceramic that my grandmother painted all kinds of just like random stuff that just exists throughout the house and like we we just like cover the halls this year actually we're uh i'm not gonna call it holiday horror like horror holiday decor but um because our cat bella jumped from a half wall to the tried to get into the windowsill and then dropped like 16 feet and broke her pelvis we have to figure out a way to block off this half wall but still allow like light and air to go through so we bought those netting 
mm-hmm. like they, uh, like lights, and we're gonna put those up, and I think we're just gonna leave them up constantly. But it looks like an illuminated spider web, and nice. I don't know if that's quite horror, but I think it definitely leans into it, and it crosses over into horror in that they will just be up forever. You should get like a big fake spider, and at Christmas time, just pull a little hat on him. Oh, I see. That's that's beautiful. I lo- yeah. I love. It. So, um, I know that you have some of your decorations up because you've been posting pictures of it. But yeah, is that all of it or just the tree? That is all of it. Um, I don't think we're doing outside decorations this year. That kind of comes and goes. Is how, however Rob feels. Um, but yeah, we put ours. I'm very committed to putting them up the weekend after Thanksgiving. Except in 2020 when I put them up early because we just needed that as a people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very early press. But putting them up early is a problem for me because I leave them up through January because I have uh, what I call a fancy lady cocktail party where I invite all of my gals over and we um, have like a late Christmas party and, and, you know, kind of do retro finger foods. Anyway, so when we put them up early, they're up for like three months and that's a little excessive. Um, They are up. Our our vibe is, um, I guess, leans mid-century modern. So our tree is silver. It's not a vintage silver. It's a more recent silver tree. So it's it's fluffy. It's not just like the sticks, the aluminum sticks, which I love that. But those are very expensive and hard to find and also hard to decorate. And we have a lot of, you know, bulbs and balls. We do have one Peanuts. We have Schroeder at his piano. And if you plug it into one of the little lights, it plays the Peanuts song, which is cute. Um, But my... My main thing that I can't get enough of is bottle brush trees, which are having a moment <laughs> right now. So, I, And they're very cheap, really, when you just buy a few at a time. So just over the years, I've bought so many that it's becoming a problem. <laughs> but as long as there's still a surface to sit one on, I'm going to sit one on it. And this year, I did add, we did, haven't really had horror holiday decorations, but this year I got a the, the giant jumbo Funko Pop, Michael Myers with the it's the limited edition with the blood splatter and the stabby knife and you know thank you to 1313 mockingbird lane for holding that for me for like when when it got announced like two years ago i was like terry are you getting this i have to have it and he was like yep i signed you up for one and then never heard a thing and then like february of this year he's like hey it finally came do you still want it I was like hell yeah anyway i couldn't bear the thought of taking him down so i rushed out on black friday to get a santa hat to put on him so now he is part of the decorations and he looks great. When you talk about like 2020, like we put our decorations up early and then I think we left them up until Valentine's Day. Fair. I mean, I, we just I that needed was, that. I, yeah, no, it was 100%. Tanya was just like, yeah, we really like, listen, it makes the house happy. It's cold <laughs> and gross outside and we can't go anywhere. Let's just leave it. And I was just like, okay, but we have to take them down to play. Like Valentine's Day is the hard out. Yeah. And I think we did take that was what we did for Valentine's Day. Thanks. Now, do you guys do white lights or colored lights? Both. Okay. I have a coworker who's very like, colored lights are ugly. Only white lights will do. And I'm just like, you're a monster. Colored lights are delightful. Yeah, we have both. Uh, Because like the white lights like light up the tree better than the colored ones do. But like the colored ones are prettier. Um, Mm -hmm. and yeah, we have, we used to, like, when we first moved into the house, we used to decorate outside all the time, but like, we just, like, 
some of the like it's a pain in the ass like mm-hmm. and also a lot of those outdoor decorations are like after being out in the cold for like a couple of months like a few times like they like anything that's made out of plastic just like eventually will just shatter yeah like, we had a bunch of those uh like light up candy cane lights mm-hmm. that you, like, stick in the ground and like line your sidewalk and we did that for a couple of years because I got them like dummy cheap at a uh, like Walmart on clearance like one year the day after mm-hmm. Christmas. And mm-hmm. we put those up for like three years. And then uh, the, the fourth year I went to put them in. I, like, I was picking them up to carry them upstairs out of the basement and they all were just like falling apart in my hands. Just disintegrating. Yeah, because it's uh, not 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 high quality manufacturing on a lot of that stuff. No, no. So if you listeners have your decorations up, Send us some pictures. We'd love to see them. It it might not be horror related, but hey, we love all holidays. And if we can cram some horror into them as well, great. And if not, we still love it. Very much looking forward to seeing all of those. I love seeing like what people do, especially with their houses. Like it's yeah, it's, it's a nice little peek into like what people can do. Moving into this house and getting a mantle was an absolute game changer for decorations for me. <laughs> like there's it's just this tray that you can't do anything with except decorate it's all it's there for <laughs> i miss i mean that was the one thing i loved like about the house we lived in growing up is that there was a mantle over the fireplace so like you could hang your stocking that was mm-hmm. oh, i do have paw shaped stockings for the pets as well of course you have to have stockings for the pets obviously <laughs> It is now time for the gate. This is our semi-irregular segment where we ask horror quest creators the same question, which is, what was the horror that first hooked you? Way back in July, when the Sacrifice <laughs> game premiered at Fantasia Fest, I spoke with director and co-writer Jen Wexler about the Sacrifice game and her love of horror. I haven't listened to it since, so I will be just as surprised as you. <laughs> Let's listen together now. Yay. Hello. Hi, Nick. How's it going? Well, it's great to talk to you again. You too. <laughs> um, I'm very excited about folks seeing this movie because it seems as though like you really went big with this one. Like the you make like the settings different, like the plot's bigger, the cast's bigger. What made you want to go bigger with your your new feature? So actually, I wrote the script for this before I wrote The Ranger. Uh, <laughs> I wrote it in 2013, right after I started working at Glass Eye Picks. Um, and I was really inspired by Larry and all the movies that they were making. And I wrote this script. And then as I started to learn how to make movies there under Larry and Peter Polk, who's a producer there, I, I started to realize like, oh, this is way too big for my first feature. <laughs> So then I focused on the ranger and I was like, oh, the ranger's just like, you know, a bunch of punks and a crazy park ranger in the woods. That's like easy to shoot. That's low budget. We don't like need a lot of locations for that. And then after the ranger came out in 2018 and uh, by that time I produced more as well. uh, Then I was like, now is the time to return to like my great love, this thing I wanted to make years ago. So then I started just going full force into working on sacrifice game the cast on this is amazing you've got chloe levine returning um 
But you also have Olivia Scott, Scott Welch, who I think came to a lot of people's attention as part of when Fear Street came out, um, as well as like Georgia Akin as Clara is just like has to do so much heavy lifting in this movie. Like, how did you find and like Olivia and Georgia and even Madison Baines, who plays Samantha, like these are they seem like untapped talents. Yeah, well, it was really magical, like certainly. Chloe, for instance, after working with her on The Ranger, she became one of my best friends. And um, and while uh, Sean Redlitz, who's my husband and also my writing partner on this, while we were working on it, we were like, Chloe is Rose. Like we just we just knew Chloe was Rose, and we kind of like wrote it with her in mind. And then Olivia, we had seen Fear Street, and we were like, she's amazing. Shutter loves Olivia. We were all just like fangirling and fanboying out about Olivia. Um, and she dug the script. Mina is Aladdin. And I was like, wouldn't it be so cool? He's so charming and everybody like loves him as Aladdin. And I wanna see that charm. I wanna like see it twisted. I wanna see what Mina does if he's playing evil. Uh, so that was really exciting to me. And then Georgia and Madison, it was, so we shot in Canada. I'm from New York, but um, I have Canadian producers on this and we shot right outside Montreal. And we uh, just did a bunch of auditions and we talked to lots of teen Canadian girls and um, and we found uh, Madison and we found Georgia. Uh, this is Georgia's first feature, which is so exciting for us. She's done like a lot of theater. She was Matilda in like the, the Vancouver, uh, uh, you know, Broadway, Vancouver version of Broadway for Matilda. She played Matilda. And she's just like, has such great instincts. And it was just, we were, it was like very, very magical watching Georgia, like get to experience making a feature for the first time. And then, and then we have Laurent, who plays Doug, Laurent Petra, and Derek Johns, who plays Grant. And they're also, uh, they're, uh montreal based and canadian actors so it was really cool merging like the two worlds of 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 you know some of these people from the us and then also some of the canadian actors and then everybody just became like a total family on set and it was so so lovely to watch the sacrifice game continues one of the things that i loved about the ranger which is that you have like an amazing like series of needle drops in it like what was the process of finding these songs because like they're all very i think familiar like and you might know them but i mean th these are not well-known songs by any stretch yeah it was really cool we wanted we wanted like tonally for it to feel exactly as you're saying we wanted it tonally for it to feel familiar but also we wanted to get a little bit more obscure so we walked we worked with these music awesome music supervisors amg and they provided me with lots and lots of options, lots of very cool bands. And one of my favorite parts about the process is when you have your cut and you you just get to start playing with music and you get to start playing with like with which needle drops are going to work and like and a diff each song can give the the scene a totally different vibe so you have to like find the right one for that. Um so it was uh and then the the one of the main one of the key scenes, which is Clara's special scene, uh, that was uh, 
that was a song that our friend Anton Mayovi, who's a composer, oh. yeah, he, he wrote, he, he made that specifically for the movie because we wanted that to just have a feel very like intentional to the movie, like it was made for it. And so Anton brought that uh, to it. So it's cool. That, that makes me so happy. I love his music. Like, yeah. That's, that's fantastic. And also just like a super awesome person as well. And he he's also, uh, we're having a premiere party tonight and he's going to DJ our premiere party. And I think <laughs> he bought like a priest outfit that he's going to wear. <laughs> oh, that is absolutely wonderful. So like shooting this film, like, like it has, you know, it is obviously sort of like Christmas set while not being a Christmas movie. Like, were you able to shoot it in the winter or were you shooting it like summer for winter or fall for winter? We were shooting spring for winter, actually. Um, it was kind of, you know, it's real. I discovered in this process, it's so hard just in the worlds of getting movies made to like, you're like, I want to make a winter movie. And then it just things happen. And then it's March and you're like, well, we have the opportunity to make it. Are we going to be like, oh, no, we can't make it. We have to wait another year till Christmas. No, we're not going to do that. We're going to take the opportunity to make the movie. We're going to figure it out. And I actually do have to say, like, there's lots of pros and cons for either, whether you're really shooting in the winter or shooting spring for winter. And at the end of the day, I'm kind of happy that we shot in the spring because it's just so much more lovely for the crew like it was beautiful out and we all just were in a good mood whereas when you're making a movie in this in the actual snow it's like everyone's angry and cold and whatever so that part worked out and then we just had like really love really incredible um uh, special effects teams that brought all this practical snow then we had a great vfx team real by fake who was able to like uh touch things up and create some vfx snow so and ultimately the the aesthetic i wanted it to feel like fantasy like and dreamlike so uh fairy tale-esque so i feel like it all it all worked out even though i i will admit that at first i was like but i wanted montreal snow like that was part <laughs> of the appeal for montreal so uh this movie is coming out um like it is premiering in in the midst of uh writers and actors strikes and um i've been talking to folks and it's just like how like is this affecting you know like how you do your job like because you're not just a director i mean you are a writer director so i i'm curious as to like how do you personally like thread that needle it's it's really hard and i think it's hard for a lot of filmmakers right now especially people that have their premieres in this moment. Um, I, for the record, I am a thousand percent on board with the strikes. Um, it's affected our movie specifically and like our cast was all gonna come at first. And and now we're not going to have, you know, a lot of people that we're gonna come are not no longer coming, which is sad, but it's for a greater good. So I understand. I'm hoping that it all gets resolved very quickly and by resolved I mean I'm hoping that the AMPTP starts acting normal and starts actually negotiating in good faith uh, and I'm hoping that the writers and the actors get everything that they want and also there are like last defense against AI and AI taking over the world and and killing a lot of the jobs in the industry so uh, it's a very 
a critical moment right now. And then me for myself, you know, I uh, will be one of the few people here representing the film as a director. And, um, and I feel like we have to celebrate Fantasia and this incredible festival that uh, shines a light on so many independent voices. Fantasia, there's not that many festivals like Fantasia that, 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 uh, that bring to people's attentions just like cool and wacky and weird, like just like weird things that don't necessarily get a, a, a mainstream audience. This is a lot of people's discoveries into, into those voices and those worlds. And I think it's important that we support the festival. Wonderful. Well, Jen, again, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk to me. I really do appreciate it. This has been lovely as per usual. Uh, and I hope you have a good rest of your day. Thank you so much, Nick. Bye-bye. That was great. And now time for New Nightmares. This is our roundup of trailers, new to streaming, coming to theaters, all that. And and this this week, there's not a lot of trailers. So we got like news and tidbits. Yeah. And this is like news news that we're starting out with. This is Scream 7 news in that like the last couple of weeks, like the whole thing, like the whole big thing about the most recent like Scream 5 and 6 is that like they have, oh my God, busy. Shh. <laughs> there's a there's a cat who has decided to come in here who never comes in here and is now yelling so i apologize yeah that's like, a vibe <laughs> the the whole deal about scream five and scream six is that they were focusing on like the core four and um which was you know um melissa barrera Je jenna ortega mason gooding and jasmine savoy brown um well melissa barrera is not returning um spyglass uh due to posts she had made uh that were uh pro-palestinian and they spun as being like anti-semitic uh it, it basically got fired um and wow. then on top of that whole thing is that like oh jenna ortega is like also not going to be part of it due to the fact that wednesday is filming at the same time the timing of that announcement though was very curious indeed i know it's like one of those things where i don't know if they're trying to use marissa melissa barrera's firing as like a way to distract from the fact that jenna ortega like i don't know if like i don't know the reasons um so mm -hmm. like she's shooting wednesday which is a totally valid point but like losing your two basic main leads like you're you're the people who have been the star like the the focus of the last two movies it's just like um yeah. and also spyglass has not handled this well at all so well and regardless of losing melissa barrera i don't know why you wouldn't plan your filming around jenna's schedule she's a huge horror star right now like <clears throat> why would you not yeah. if if that's truly the cause why would you not be like oh okay we can wait yeah. i understand that you know they're at the mercy of I don't know, people who don't think these things through, perhaps, but 
still that's a that's a key player yeah it was it was a really weird announcement in that they're like oh well you know the script wasn't ready and like everything got pushed back because of like the sag after stuff it's like well then push it back like i don't like you're just like all of a sudden like oh our two lead like then you're gonna have to rewrite the script anyway so you're gonna have to push it back so Mm -hmm. like i don't under unless they're just figuring okay we're, we're we're filming in april we're gonna whatever we have is what we're doing yeah as long as they don't just recast and try to tell us these people are the same people i don't think they'll do that but soap opera shit right there (laughs) i'm pretty sure it's gonna get real weird and a lot of people are very pissed off so yeah for sure all right in some lighter and different scream news for those of us in the kansas city area uh planet comic-con who is always just trying not intentionally to get me to wait in that line to get in and usually failing this year is bringing so many original scream actors uh they are they have nev campbell they have uh matthew lillard skeet ulrich uh very exciting i think they're doing a panel um and definitely you can pay to get pictures and signing autographs uh Speaking of more recent screen people and uh, podcast darling, Dermot <laughs> Mulrooney is also going to be there. And that's the one that might actually get me to pay the ticket price because I'm just like, what if I could just maybe I'll just hang around downtown and just like try to run into Dermot and be like, I love my best friend's wedding, but also the blazing world. <laughs> let's talk. <laughs> yeah. And like, let's not even talk about like, here's the crazy thing. They're, they also have Adrian Barbo. Mm-hmm. Um, and somehow I missed the announcement that there that Keith David is going to be there. Um, like I literally just saw that while I'm like scrolling through the guest list. I was like, "Wait, what?" Um, and uh, Teen Teen Julie is very excited that Ryder Strong from Boy Meets World and Cabin Fever is going to be there. <laughs> oh, and Ron Perlman. Um, mm-hmm. Like it is like just uh, and also if you're into like horror comics, Ben Templesmith. Uh, artist and writer will be there the the, the artist behind um 30 days of night and mm-hmm. like uh wormwood gentleman corpse um whom i have met several times and is absolutely charming um but yeah they're like i made this comment oh, yeah and jamie kennedy i didn't mention that name either sorry that's fine um <laughs> their horror lineup is like kind of kicking crypticon's ass yeah yeah i uh a couple of years ago, Downright Creepy had a panel, and so I got to go to one day of Planet Comic Con for free. And I'm, guys, can we do that again? Actually, no, it wasn't Downright Creepy. It was Panic Fest, and I just got to be part of it because of Downright Creepy. I'm like, let's let's do that again. This year, it needs us, and I need to go for free. Samezies. Uh so coming soon. Um, uh, it actually, as of today um while we're recording uh there's a new documentary called thriller 40 that is on uh paramount plus um oh which i still don't have but if you are wondering what's the breaking point for julie to finally get paramount plus it's the fact that there's a black friday deal still going till today no yeah um and this thriller 40 and the and the curse i finally did it uh, the film uh, takes uh, fans back in time to the making of the record-breaking album and release of revolutionary short films that redefined the music video era, the music video format, and captivated audiences globally. Um, 
yeah, never before seen footage, candid interviews. Um, like, why are we talking about this? Well, because obviously they talk with John Landis, uh, the thriller, uh, like making of i think we've we've discussed this before right about how it's just like seminal like horror kid shit in the 80s yes because they showed it it on mtv so many times yep yeah i will say that once i actually clicked and watched the trailer the trailer does seem to be more about the album than about the video but you know they're going to touch on it and go into it and i mean that video was so like oh i'm just hanging out watching mtv what this is there's a tiny scary movie in the middle of my music videos this is amazing yeah and then you would also like half the time like once or twice usually around halloween they would break out like the full like it's like it was an it was like an hour-long special because you get like a mm-hmm. 45 minute documentary and then a 15 minute thriller video um yeah. which was also the way that you could tell what the number one video was going to be <laughs> whenever they did like the top videos of all time I'm... countdown like it's like oh how how far out are we Okay, yeah, Thriller is going to be number one again. Um, yeah, I mean, it was number one for how many years? Like, maybe almost forever from when it came out. Like, I don't know that who even unseat, unseats that video as number one. I can't remember what it was. It was like a very weird thing that, like, and it made a lot of people very upset. I'm sure I was one of them. Yeah. But, oh, yeah, I do want to see this. All right. Up next, there is a trailer, a teaser, really, for. The Cello, directed by Darren Bozeman, starring Tobin Bell, also as Jeremy Irons. Um, I guess it's like a cursed cello, it seems to be. Um, It looks pretty interesting. I am... Okay. I don't see actually a synopsis in this piece. There's just some chit-chat about it. And I don't think I'm missing it, hopefully. The poster is cool. The trailer looks really interesting. Um, It's written by... Uh, Turkey Alashik, perhaps? I'm saying it wrong for sure. Um, Oh, there is a synopsis. It's one line. The cello tells the story of a cellist who finds out his new cello comes with centuries, a centuries-old curse. That's a lot of uses of the word cello in one sentence, and I guess that's really all you need to know. Um, and, it, and maybe you play it and people become cursed from hearing it, or maybe you're cursed from playing it. I don't know. We'll find out. Looks pretty cool, though. Um, it comes out December 8th. The cello in the poster looks like it is the most like like nineteen late 1990s like CGI video game imagery. I don't yeah. know if that's intentional or like somebody just like uh, got that at the wrong like. Yeah, like, it looks high... like it. Yeah, it doesn't have the. Um, yeah, it's not high high res. Yeah, it is very low res. Uh, okay. Like I don't know enough about this movie to really make any sort of concrete assumptions or anything like that, but I get like the feeling watching this trailer, like how hard they lean into Tobin Bell and Jeremy Irons. I am willing to bet cash money that they are each in this film for like a five minute scene. Yeah. Agreed. I just get that vibe from it. Like, cause it has like, it's trying to go for this big international feel, but like it definitely like watching this, I'm like, this is very much like a lot of trailers I see for movies on Tubi where it's just like, Oh, they definitely got them for like one day and they mm-hmm. are just going to like make it look like they are the stars. Yeah. Yeah. When everyone else in it is very much, I mean, this is like it. I don't know if it's a, it's a, it had its release in Saudi Arabia. So I don't know if all the actors are Saudi Arabian, but the names certainly look as they could be. Um, 
so it, it, I'm interested to see how a couple of old white guys play into that. <laughs> yep. Because I'm honestly more interested in it from an international perspective. That usually is a more interesting story. I've heard all the old white guy stories. Yeah. Tell me stories from other lands. Yep. I, I'm curious. It's based on a novel. So, I mean, it's got it's got potential. Yeah. Oh, we got a new trailer for Night Swim, which seems to flesh out the the tale of this movie that's coming from Atomic Monster and Bloomhouse on January fifth to theaters. Um. So, uh, film stars Wyatt Russell, uh, Ray Waller, a former Major League Baseball player, forced into early retirement by a degenerative illness, who moves into a new home with his concerned wife Eve, teenage daughter Izzy. And young son Elliot, secretly hoping against the odds to return to pro ball, Ray persuades Eve that the new home's shimmering backyard swimming pool will be fun for the kids and provide physical therapy for him. But a dark secret in the home's past will unleash a malevolent force that will drag the family under into depths of inescapable terror. Yeah, it seems like we get we get a lot more of that like in the in this trailer where you get like kind of like background stuff and you get to see like yeah. more of what the pool's doing and what the what's in the pool. Yeah, if you want to see this movie, don't go watch this trailer. I yeah, feel like I know. it's too much, way too much. Yeah, the first one was like, ooh, spooky. I'd like to know more. And then I'm like, ah, too much, too much. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. I would say, given its premiere date and how little else is going on, I would just guess we'll probably cover this one. Probably. I don't know what else we'll cover that first week of January. but I, And I'm interested. It sounds cool. I think January 5th is a strange but kind of nice time to introduce a summertime pool movie. <laughs> I think that's a good idea. Like, it's just yeah. like, okay, let's pretend it's not awful outside. And you know, there's going to be like a billion teenagers going to see this. Like, cause oh, for sure. They were, they were, they, uh, whenever this, I've seen the trailer for the, uh, like in front of a couple other movies, people are just like, whoa. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it looks scary. I don't think I've ever seen a purely haunted pool movie. So that's kind of, that's kind of fun. I know. That's kind of why I'm excited about it. I was like, you know what? It hasn't been done yet. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have a trailer for Everyone Will Burn. This is a Spanish supernatural horror, kind of about the end of the world. I actually got to see this one, gosh, sometime earlier this year, but I can't remember for what. And it was a copy with a super bad um, translation, uh, the not dub, but subtitles. Oh, the they subtitles were so off. Really bad. They were so off. And the their person wanted me to review it. And I was like, I can't review it. I can't. I don't know what happened. The subtitles were so off. And they're like, but you could still review it. I'm like, not if you want it to be a good review. I had somebody <laughs> try to get me once to review a movie that was sent without completed special effects. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it was literally I was just like, and no music and no sound effects. And I was like, I, I literally can't fairly give this like. Yeah, like I'm making a lot of. I would be making a lot of assumptions. I did eventually watch it with it. It did not improve the movie at all. Yeah. But it, it, you know, I am very hopeful that for those of us who don't aren't fluent in Spanish, that they have updated the subtitles. And because it it was an interesting movie, and the trailer is interesting. Um, so everyone will burn follows Maria Jose, an outlier in her small Spanish town, who is grieving after her young son's suicide. As she teeters on the brink of suicide herself, she encounters a mysterious young girl caked in dirt. It is quickly revealed that the girl has telekinetic powers and might be the harbinger of of the apocalyptic prophecy that exists within town legend. Despite her penchant for violence, Maria Jose feels an kinship with the girl because, 
like her late son, she has dwarfism, and the two of them face off against the vitriolic community who want to rip, who want to nip the potential hellscape in the bud. That's a lot going on. That's also a great line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nip the potential hellscape in the bud. Let's shut this apocalypse down now. <laughs> I love this trailer, though. It's yeah, it's very visually like even if you're not reading the subtitles, you're just watching and going, OK, I want to know more. Just the picture alone that yeah. has been released with this. And I remember. So this must have been I think maybe it was. Gosh, maybe it was Fantastic Fest last year, but it was something where I did a preview piece. And I know that I used this picture as like the lead picture because it's just such a good photo. It's just a guy standing on fire outside of a police car and then the little girl and the woman. And it's just, it's just a beautiful like sunset shot of a guy on fire. Yeah, well, you and you can just see like sort of the malevolence in in the young girl, and you can just see the terror in the the woman leaning against the car. It just like you just see that image, and you're just like, I I need to know what how this came to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. I'm a big fan of just like one shot. That's like, oh, it tells the story, but does it? Yeah. And then with a title like "Everyone Will Burn," you're like, oh, so this right here will happen to everyone. Okay, cool. <laughs> Uh, there's a new Christmas horror anthology on Screenbox right now, and we're going to talk about the trailer and it because I haven't got a chance to watch it yet. But it is called Night of the Missing. Um, it follows a series of disappearances that take place in a small town. Uh, on a stormy Christmas Eve, a secret, secretive sheriff, sheriff, dang it, let's try that again. On a stormy Christmas Eve, a secretive sheriff gets a visit from a mysterious woman who recounts a series of bizarre stories involving missing persons. As her stories begin to unfold, the depraved deeds of the sleepy town find themselves coming to life, conjuring vibrations of a disturbing telephone call, a mysterious ice cream man, a missing friend, and broken promises with dire repercussions. Um, It's from director Samuel Gonzalez Jr., who directed The Retaliators um uh, it's a four-part uh holiday anthology and it's on screen box right now um i had, wasn't too sure if i wanted to see this uh when it popped up on screen box i was like i don't know and then i watched the trailer i was like oh i do yeah i mean we love uh, we love an anthology right i think that's a love holiday that's horror. A, a horror thing we like our little short story yeah, and put it at Christmas. Although the trailer didn't seem particularly Christmassy, so I had to go back and read. I was like, "Wait, is this Christmas?" Yeah, it says it is. Says it is. So I think they just didn't show a lot of the Christmassy bits. But I think it's also interesting when an anthology has the same director for all the bits. Mm-hmm. It might could be more cohesive. It looks. Some. It looks pretty cool. I like. I am strangely excited to see the the story of the ice cream man. That that looks absolutely mm-hmm. terrifying yeah there's just one shot with a ver- an arm that keeps extending that i was yes. like, i'm like yeah okay that that one at least i am excited to watch and i have yeah. screen box so uh and uh i'm off today so i think this might be what i watch nice i might check it out too all right this next one is like is it horror we don't know we're going to talk about it anyway because it is the trailer for Furiosa and it stars Anya Taylor-Joy and she's horror. We love her. Um, I'm going to be real with you all and please don't come at me. I have never seen a Mad Max property. <gasps> I'm sorry. I haven't. Uh, this will be in theaters on May 24th and it is 
you know, it, it, I, it's, a, it's a Furiosa story. As the world, as the world fell, young Furiosa is snatched from the green place of many mothers and falls into the hands of a great biker horde led by warlord Dementus. Sweeping through the wasteland, they come across the citadel presided over by Immortan Joe. While the two tyrants, while the two tyrants were for dominance, Furiosa must survive many trials as she puts together the means to find her way home. Now I know. I've heard most of those names before, but please forgive me if I said them wrong because I'm so sorry that I haven't seen any of these. No, I'm just like listening to you read that. It's so funny because I'm like, oh man, like if you haven't seen any of these movies, that's just a bunch of gobbledygook. <laughs> just words. <laughs> it makes me very excited. <laughs> um, Obviously, I know who Furiosa is. I know that much. So I'm excited. It's got Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. We love a Hemsworth. And it, it sounds like they're letting him use just his natural australian accent obviously because you know george miller's australian but i just think it's nice like i don't feel like we get he gets to you know just use his real accent as often as he should because i accents are fun yeah uh i oh this movie i mean like i'm just i'm always just happy for a new george miller movie um Mm -hmm. even if it's happy feet even if it's happy feet like listen (laughs) knows how to make a movie um i mean I, I love I love a person who can like exist in multiple genres. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm really excited about it. Uh it just it I mean, these are m- movies that are as much visual spectacles as they are like acting and storytelling. Like I mean, the story's really cool, but like it's just a thing you watch and watch things mm-hmm. explode and maybe I'll try to watch them all by May. Check this uh, one out. Yeah, the the fun part about Fury Road uh, is that it is essentially once the movie gets going, it is basically an hour and a half long chase scene. Um, See, that, that doesn't appeal to me. It it works for Nick. <laughs> <laughs> like that's one hundred percent. Like, oh, it's just a chase. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> like things blow up, and oh, it's a blast. Um, but yeah, you you may find some of the earlier installments more to your liking. We'll see. I'll report back. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I suppose we should probably talk about Robert Eggers' Nosferatu, huh? Yeah, we got a little bit of news on it. We got a little bit of news. Um, It is a remake of the 1922 vampire classic uh, that was then remade in 1979 by Werner Herzog. Um, Yeah, coming out two years too late for the the 100th anniversary. But uh, it is it is Robert Eggers doing horror again. Um. And uh, Bill Skarsgård uh, playing uh, the Count Orlock uh, v- vampire um, who is definitely not, according to legal definitions, Count Dracula. No, definitely not. <laughs> My favorite part about that whole thing is that it is just a weird take on Dracula where they changed just enough stuff to not get sued by Bram Stoker's estate. <laughs> um. But I, I, we, we get one image, um, which is somebody looking scared with like creepy fingers in front of their face. Um, it's uh Lily Rose. Well, we got two images actually, because we got that one, and then there's one with Nicholas Holt, and I believe that's supposed to be Bill Skarsgård there in the foreground, and everybody yes. got kind of hype at the sneak peek, and I'm like, really, it's a blurry blur. It's not a sneak peek. Yeah. Also. Nicholas Holt getting to do a lot of vampire shit. Love him. Put him in everything. Yep. 
And it's also I I do love the fact that Nosferatu is going to also have Willem Dafoe, who uh played uh Count Orlock or and the actor who originally played him um in the Murnau version in in the movie that came out a few years ago, uh that I can't remember the name of. Um oh Shadow of the Empire, um, where he 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 plays uh, like Max Shrek slash Count Orlock. It's a very weird movie, but uh, recommend it. Like if you want to see like some sort of it's kind of the the tale of the making of it. And it's also insane. Nice. It's produced by Nicolas Cage. He's not actually in the movie, <laughs> but it's got Willem Dafoe, Carrie Elwes, Eddie Izzard and Udo Kier like that. And John Malkovich. That should be enough to get you to see it. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm in. I'm sold. I'm here for it. Looks like we get that at Christmas next year. So it's a long wait. But yeah, I'm excited. All right. One other tiny tidbit. It was announced recently that there will be a sequel to the Black Phone, um, maybe called the Black Phone 2. I'm sure they'll put on some fun tagline. And Ethan Hawke and the rest of the main cast will be returning. And that seems pretty cool. I feel like the Black Phone didn't get the hype it deserved. So I'm glad it's still getting a sequel because it was very good. Um yeah. Well, well, we don't know if Scott Derrickson will be directing again, but we can hope. Yeah, the Black Phone seems to have like a really like I think just because of when it was released, like it it just kind of like took some hits. Um, but yeah, it is it is just steadily gained viewers and people mm-hmm. who are super into it. I think yeah. that it's it's Joe Hill story. I mean, you know, I mean, there's stephen king related stuff like mm-hmm. there's a there are a lot of things to pull people in yeah and ethan hawk i mean yep. the man does wrong but he is so good and creepy in it it's it's very creepy it's a movie i had to watch in parts um yeah because it's just it's super intense and it's it's disturbing in a way that's like at times not fun it's disturbing before the quote-unquote horror even gets started yeah, like, there's like and, child abuse and yeah it's it's disturbing all the way around um, oh yeah the first 10 minutes like tanya like full-on just like tapped out yeah don't blame her so june 27th 2025 i don't expect that date to stick given how far away that is but you know get hype <laughs> and that's the news yay i'm sorry you have to be here i know it's not your ideal christmas plans change these things can't be helped we're gonna have fun. I promise. Christmas killers strike again. They pick a house with a nice couple in it, and then they slash them up. It's freaky enough around here as it is. You're not supposed to be down here. What are these? The books they don't want us to read. Hello, ma'am. Do you mind if we come in? <sighs> There's something special about this place. It smells good in here. Christmas dinner? You did such a lovely job. <laughs> Let me tell you a story. It's not prayers that get God's attention. Oh, no. It's sacrifice. We have to get out of here. They're going to kill us if we don't. It's going to be the best Christmas of your lives. We need to hide. Come out. Blackfell girls, look out for each other. Don't let it out! 
you're murdering people because of some fairy tale you found in some book? We're just getting started. Give me the knife. Get out of here, you murderers! I am the Now it is time for our feature presentation. On this episode, we talk. We are talking about the Sacrifice Game. Now in theaters, direct. I mean, now on Shutter. Let's start from the top. Actually, it's on Shutter tomorrow. As yeah. you're hearing this, it's on Shutter the next day. So you might have to wait a day to listen to us. So we are talking about the Jen Wexler's The Sacrifice Game. Julie, what's it all about? At the Black Veil School for Girls in 1970. 1970- 71 it's bad enough that students samantha and clara can't go home for the holidays but things take a deadly turn when a gang of cult killers arrives at their doorstep just in time for christmas i think i i wish jen wexler would get to make movies more often yeah she has uh, the the she's just got the two right this and the ranger Mm -hmm. and they're both very different but very good uh yeah because the ranger came out yeah, like almost five years ago, like over five years ago, actually, um, in 2018. And I mean, like she's produced a bunch of stuff, but I just I feel like I love what she does because the the Ranger was kind of like uh, like a throwback slasher. And this is like definitely homaging, you know, um, definitely Black Christmas. Um mm-hmm. And like various other, you know, grindhousey type seventies proto slashers, but um, they it it's done in a way where it just feels like the setting and like the style is appropriate, um, mm-hmm. as opposed to just being like you know like oh we're just gonna like look at how seventies this movie is, yeah yeah it it is a period piece in an effortless way and. This is a very interesting movie in that it's it starts off as one thing and then morphs into another and then kind of goes into it like a, a a third and a fourth place depending on like it's going to be really hard not to spoil things so we really yeah we hope so, you you get a chance to see this so we're going to do our level best yes please go watch it I know that I know that a friend of the fam of the pod really greg from nightmare junkhead usually listens to us the day we drop over his lunch break so greg i hope you've paused waited till the next day and watch the movie and then come back <laughs> and i think that he usually doesn't listen if he hasn't watched the movie to this part but for all of you yes because we just can't promise we're gonna try not to spoil but it the twist happened well the twist happens in a way that it's hard not to talk about i think yeah yeah, well, because it happens at like a pretty pivotal point of the movie, and it really like to talk about certain performances and things like that. You kind of have to talk about them within the the exactly. Yep. Um, but I mean, we can't talk about like the opening of this movie in that it is like one of the like we have seen a series of movies this year where like the opening five minutes go harder than they really need to. Yeah. Like this one, talk to me. Uh, when evil lurks, like all of these movies are just like, holy shit! Like, yeah, they they're going to tell you right away what you're here for. 
like, <laughs> can you handle this? Get out. <laughs> yeah, it gives you it gives you like this chance to like tap out very early on if yeah. it's not your if it's not your thing. It's like if this is too much, you're not gonna want to stick around for what comes later. Yeah. So essentially, you know, it starts off. It's got this. What is it? Like four or five uh, folks going around killing people and cutting off bits of their skin that have tattoos that are you know vaguely witchcrafty looking sigils and you and you don't know why what are they doing are they just you know it's the 70s that's a very culty time and you, so you're just like i don't know what are they doing what are they compiling and then it cuts to a girl's school out of nowhere and you're like oh okay so we can see that this will intersect but what's going on at this school which is there's a weird girl uh-huh there's, <laughs> there's always there's, a weird girl there's always a weird girl um oh the cast of this movie like uh we, we uh once again jen wexler uh works with chloe levine who is the the star of the ranger um she doesn't have quite as big a role here the, this is definitely like a very much an ensemble movie like there's not really there is a lead yeah. but not per se um we also get um, Olivia Scott Welch, who we all loved in uh, the Fear Street series where she was Sam. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, but I, I I think, man, Georgia Akin as Clara, like the the aforementioned creepy girl. She's so good. Yeah, she's very good at being like menacingly creepy. In a way that you're like, but she's just a kid, so I think she's just accidentally creepy, or is she? I don't know. Yeah, definitely like the weird kid. Like this is a role like that, like McKenna Grace has aged out of. Um, mm-hmm. like like this is this is something like it's very much like that kind of role where you're just like, wait, they're just like a kid. Like how are they this good? They, <laughs> it's always yeah, a- she. She reminds me of Lulu Miller. Mm, mm-hmm. and, and so, you know, hopefully as she ages, maybe she can stay in horror and become that badass as well. Yeah. Like there is just something about the way this movie goes through. Like it's it's pretty it, like talking about all the twists. It makes it sound like it's this very big convoluted movie. And it's not. It's very straight. It's presented very straightforwardly. Like you're not going to have trouble following the, the storyline and everything is kind of like not telegraphed, but like definitely before it happens, you're like, oh, God, what's going to happen next? And then they show you. Yeah. Yeah. For the most part, I would say that I saw everything coming, even down to kind of the final twist where I was like, OK, it's it's one. of It's something's happening around this thing and i'm not exactly sure what and then it happened i'm like okay yeah that makes the most sense yep but it is it is splattered through with these scenes like once you get past like the opening it's just like it's almost like they have a timer going where it's like every so many minutes you just see something horrible happen (laughs) yeah like because you have like a bunch of like people who are on a killing spree um Mm -hmm. And when you have a bunch of people on a killing spree, like you have to show the killing spree. Um, yeah. And then you show them, you know, forcing their way into the school. And oh, there is some scenery chewing from Mina Masood. Oh, it's glorious. Yeah. He is, he comes across as this, like, on the one hand, kind of a greaser, 
to use an outsider's term, but on the other hand, like a Charles Manson. Mm-hmm. He's like Charles Manson, who was an Elvis fan instead of a Beatles fan. Also, uh, like this, this is somewhat spoilery. I love the fact that like you're just like, oh man, he's the one. Like he's behind it. Like he's the he's the you know Svengali or whatever. And it's like, no, he's not. Nope, not him. <laughs> nope. Um. Also, um, it it follows one of my favorite tropes, which is where like the best laid plans um go awry, um, mm-hmm. and that's sort of like that's that's like the whole uh thing on which the the plot pivots um is this like things not being what they seem on in numerous occasions yeah they were very sure that they were following the plan to the t and what they didn't know was that they didn't have the whole plan they were following the plan to the t they didn't know what that plan was to do the the goal what that they thought they were going to receive was not the goal the plan was laid for nope um it is it is a particularly it's you know it's all set in you know it's either uh, like with the exception of a little bit of sunlight at the very uh beginning of our experiences at the school like everything is set like at dark or dusk or it's very overcast and it's like a very perfect sort of movie for this time of year where it's just like it's kind of dreary outside and you're just like i'm gonna wrap myself in this blanket and I'm gonna I'm gonna watch this spooky movie, uh, but still get kind of like it was really nice. Like I watched it fry rewatched it on Friday night, and it's just like it strangely gets you in the Christmas spirit because it yeah. is Christmassy. Yeah, there's a Christmas tree. There's a Christmas dinner. Mm-hmm. Lovely, you know. And the overall morality tale of it seems to be like it, that. You know what you hear people say all the time is. Be kind to everyone. You never know what they're going through. Like, <laughs> don't bully. Be nice to people because you never know. Like, A, just base level, it's nice to be nice. But B, maybe it maybe it really pays off for you if you're just nice to people. Maybe that's the best result. Black Veil, Black Veil girls look out for each other. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> turns out following that bit of advice is very important. Yeah. Uh, uh, yes, that is that is it. Very important thing for Samantha. Um, also, like Madison Baines as Samantha is just like she she has like I think what's a very inglorious role. Mm-hmm. Like she's she's, but she does a lot with what she has. Um, I think her face plays the role because the look yeah. of terror, even before terror starts happening, like when she finds out that she has to spend Christmas at the school and can't go home. Her face takes on this like, fuck look of, you know, devastation that just doesn't leave it, but changes depending on yeah. what is devastating in the moment. Yeah, no, like really like watching, watching her face is just like it it tells a, a, a really good story. And I mean, like she doesn't get any of the like juicy lines, but like she really does have to like kind of she is like the thing that supports like each different move of the plot Mm -hmm. and they so she's kind of it's like very much like a not you know flourishy sort of role she is just there to like help but she's like if she doesn't do it well like this whole movie is just gonna like kind of collapse yeah yeah but uh 
I'm I'm really like I really was so excited that Jen Wexler had a new movie coming. Like I was mm-hmm. just oh, it was just so it's so refreshing because like the the Ranger was like so much fun. Yeah, uh, and Definitely. so is this. So is the Sacrifice game. Like I really wasn't expecting it to be a like like I watched it the first time like when it, when I got that screener back um when during Fantastic Fest in July. Mm-hmm. And then hadn't really revisited it in the six months intervene five or six months intervening and rewatching it. I was like, I really do enjoy this movie. Like it, especially this time of year. Yeah. Yeah. It, I think it will easily fit into people's Christmas watch list as like, I don't know the it's a, it's a subdued Christmas, but it's there and it is key. And it's a movie that like it's hard enough for like true horror fans but it doesn't go so crazy for so long that like non-horror people won't watch it like it's a good mm-hmm. it's a good like bridging the gap kind of movie which i think is very important like for yeah. if you want to watch holiday horror during christmas cuz you get some people who are just like Mm-mm-mm. hallmark yeah i'm here to tell you there's room for both I watch Hallmark movies and Christmas horror movies. <laughs> I was discussing A Castle for Christmas on Facebook the other day with a friend of mine and like raving about it. And somebody's like, <laughs> how is that your thing? I was like, listen, it has Carrie Elwes and Brooke Shields and it's set in a castle in Scotland. How can you not love it? I contain <laughs> multitudes. Yeah. I like. I just party. watched one called Holiday Hotline that I thought was quite delightful. I uh also the one with Lindsay Lohan that was on Netflix last year, uh, where she at one point is watching a castle for Christmas on Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) But that one is also like if even if you think you don't like Lindsay Lohan, like watch that movie. It is like performing. (laughs) See, guys, we're just cuddly little bunnies who also like to watch people get their skin cut off sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) In multitudes. It's fine. Like but yeah, no, like this is uh the sacrifice game is legitimately like a, a it, it's becoming a new favorite and i really hope that a lot of people watch this and that somebody is just like let's give jen wexler more money and let her make more movies because i would oh, I, yeah. I don't want to have to wait five more years for another one for real for real yeah also give chloe levine more work yeah she is delightful in everything she's in mm-hmm. all right do you have any any recommendations for i other mean things aside from the the you know obviously i i suggest like as as i did we on our uh holiday recommendations that are up on our socials right now um all of the black christmases like i celebrate all of them for various reasons um be it the original the remake or the reboot like they're they all have something unique and fun and lean into christmas in different weird and fucked up ways yeah yeah please check out our list and watch all of those because (laughs) they're all you know we wouldn't we wouldn't recommend anything we didn't didn't think you'd enjoy um i wanted to specifically call out recommendations that had like people left behind at a school in various ways so i i got the black coat's daughter which i think is actually thanksgiving break Mm. but a lot of a lot of similar themes in this one so 
I think check that out if you haven't. Plus, Kieran and Shipka, who doesn't love, she's great. And I don't think a lot of people have watched this one, but A Christmas Horror Story, which is an anthology. So only a little bit of it takes place in a school where no one's there and they're not left behind. They actually break in to uncover some secrets, um, but it's still very good. And also, uh, it's a different part of the anthology, but one of the better Krampuses you'll see in a movie is in this little little movie. It is now time for I'll Be Right Back. Uh, even though we are in the midst of the holiday season and it is just the start of it, uh, what do we have coming up that uh, that gets uh, spooky? Well, for me, it's pretty much just that I did go ahead and get Paramount Plus, And when I'm done watching all of the junk that I used to watch on MTV, I'm going to start The Curse. Very excited about that. Um, and I don't think there's a lot else coming up. If, if you're local... I know that Greg and Genius are doing what they call Christmas with the Nerds, which had historically been for their other podcast, May It Rest in Peace, Nerds of Nostalgia. So it wasn't always horror, but I heard them say that this year they are all holiday horror. So I'm very excited for that, too, which I want to tell you is the 16th. 16th. I knew it was the 15th. So the 16th at Screenland. Um, If not, you can follow them on Twitter to see what they showed and... I don't know. Do your own triple feature, probably. How about you? What do you got coming up? I sadly already have plans for that evening. Um, hey. Yeah, I'm super bummed. I mean, like, it is really cool and it's very Christmassy. We're going to that gigantic, like, enchantment thing that's out at the Legends Field oh, where cool. it's like 10 acres of lights and, like, a Christmas, like, Christmas light maze and. All kinds of stuff. Like a friend of mine, my friend Craig, that uh, I've known since middle school, bought tickets for our whole group to go. Nice. Um, and so we're going that evening and it starts at 730. So um, I will be uh, drinking uh, like Wasal and uh, wandering around looking at lights and probably making jokes that make parents uncomfortable. Um, but good. Yeah, we're uh, so we've got that. Uh, also, like there have been like a ton of holiday horrors that have dropped on both Screenbox and Shutter. So I'm gonna mm-hmm. try to work my way through some of the new stuff. Um, I'm I'm curious as to um, like what Night of the Missing, like how Christmassy that gets. I mean, there's another. Yeah. There's like one. Uh, I think it's Secret Santa that's directed by the same guy who directed um, Jason Goes to Hell oh yeah that's very there's like a yeah it's there's a lot of fun stuff screaming right now uh so i'm i'm curious just like what we what we get so um there's that and also i have a book about vince mcmahon that i'm very excited to, to to watch that's a different kind of horror that is a different kind of horror. If you listen to the five part series that behind the bastards did on him, you will do oh, man. He's yeah. But yes, Secret Santa, uh, directed by Adam Marcus. 
um, who did do Jason Goes to Hell. And Texas Chainsaw. He was the writer on that. Nice. I might have to look that one up. But yeah, so much fun stuff to watch. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the Carnage Report. Report. You can find us at on Twitter or X and Instagram at Report Carnage. And we can be reached via email at carnagereportpod at gmail.com. If you'd like to make any suggestions or upcoming episodes or just share your thoughts or your Christmas lights or what holiday horror you like, let us know if you watched anything from our list and liked it or hated it. We'd love to hear about that. You can just go back and post on the post and tell us and you know, we will note your feedback for next year's list. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Um, also, if you reach out to us, we've got stickers. Um, and you can reach out to uh, you can email us or reach out on socials and we'll get a sticker or few out in the mail to you. And we also have some buttons. Um, I was handing them out at the replay like the other night, um, just randomly going like, Oh, hey, I haven't given you stickers for my pocket. And like literally running out to my car and just coming in with like baggies full of stickers and handing nice. them out to people. Like just like the weirdest, like uh like slightly drunk Santa uh on, on like with just like the weirdest stocking stuffers that exist. <laughs> but yeah, uh, if you see either of us out and about, just ask because we try to have them. Yeah, I've got a huge bag of stuff. Yeah. And all the music in this episode is by Steve Spacek, who you can find on Instagram at starlingwoodworks and at nodder.bandcamp.com. Nick, where can they find you on socials? I am NuthousePunks on Twitter slash X and Blue Sky. I am Nicklaus Mouse on Instagram, and I am from and inspired at Letterboxd, so that I really need to be a better about updating things. Although I've been, like, if you want to see, like, the weird random Christmas stuff I've been watching lately, that's a great place to go. <laughs> where can they find you julie i am dark humor girl at all of those places so and i i have really committed to being good at letterbox this year as far as actually doing it and i think that i'm succeeding which is good because i've started compiling my year-end list and that really saves you a lot of brain power to just oh. be able to look at your letterboxd oh it's so handy yeah all right. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back next episode with another roundup of the latest news in horror. And we're going to be talking about It's a Wonderful Knife, directed by Tyler McIntyre. Nick, what is it about? After saving her town from a psychotic killer, Winnie Carruthers' life is less than wonderful. When she wishes she'd never been born, she finds herself in a nightmare parallel universe where without her, things could be much, much worse. Just like Coming at you hard with holiday horror, three episodes in a row. What more could you ask for? Heck yeah. And this one's already streaming, so you don't have to. You have now ample notice to watch this one before we talk about it. So if need be, we can spoil the hell out of it. I haven't watched it yet, so I don't know if we'll need to. But check it out, and we'll be back at you in a couple of weeks. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.